grab me a beer and grab him a coke. We bout to sit for an hour bullshit and tell jokes. And please don't mix it up, cause he done sobered up. Brandon T. Comedy on your social media feeds. And Brandon Tess here, bitch, your ex drink your buddy. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Brennan Tassif is your ex drinking buddy. I'm your host, Brennan Tassif. If you're new to the show, quick rundown of the show. I used to be everyone's favorite drinking buddy. Used to do drugs, drink, get in trouble, hang out with friends and reminisce about old stories. That is still one of my favorite things to do, even though I am sober now. But I will normally be joined by a guest. This week is no exception. All the way from New York City slash London, England, Rafael Pariah. Hey, Brandon. <laughs> What's up, man? Good, buddy. So, comedian, actor. What else? What else is on the docket? Uh, writer, director. Yeah, I started. I started writing a couple years ago. Okay. Uh, so I have like a couple of plays under my belt. One of which I'm like waiting to put on, which uh, is about, it's like the first true story I've written. Okay. And it's about like this, uh, it's this story I read about in the paper about this double agent who was, he was like a, a Spanish guy during World War Two, And they, they called him Garbo because he was like a very good actor. Yeah. And he basically, so his big claim to fame was like he convinced the Nazis that Normandy was like a fake and there was going to be a real invasion in Calais in like 10 days. So, yeah. So the Germans like never really hit Normandy with the power they should have. But the play is about him and his Spanish wife because they came over and she hated it in England. And she almost sabotaged him. Oh, really? Yeah, like in order to go That home. sounds like a great play. It's a great story. I hope it'll be a great play. Yeah. <laughs> So you, um, let's give the audience a little bit of a backstory. Um, everyone can tell because I said it and also your accent Yeah, that you are in New York city by way of London. Yeah. So how did that, because when I first met you, we were talking outside of a uh, Broadway comedy club Yeah. and you had mentioned, you were like, yeah, I used to do comedy and then I kind of stopped for a little while. I moved back home and then I, now I'm doing comedy again, Yeah. which, which I found super interesting because that's kind of different parallels but that's still my my same story how you, yeah i started comedy in 2009 then some things happened and then from 2000 you know 14 15 till about 2018 i didn't touch a microphone yeah. except a couple times yeah and then I, I missed it so much and the listeners know my story but then i got back into it yeah and so when you had told me that i was like oh that's super interesting yeah like how did that happen so i started in atlanta but i was at college okay and I, where did the, you go to school at Emory. Okay. And then I, I did, like, first gig I bombed. And then second gig I really prepared. And I did, like, Laughing Skull. And they invited me back for, like, the weekend. Oh, that's to awesome. Because like, Laughing Skull's a big deal. It's a great, yeah. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. And was only the second time you had done comedy? Yeah. Wow. And I remember, you know that feeling when the first time you get a laugh? And yeah, I was like, yeah. I was like, I could do this forever. This is amazing. And then I came back to England and I, I just started bombing. So that was after school you went back yeah, to England? Yeah, I went back to England. I was doing like three years and I was like on and off. Like I, I was like some days good, some days bad. Like I just wasn't getting it. And then, uh, so then I stopped stand up and I started taking these like clown classes. Okay. Uh, with like, so this teacher who taught Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah. And so I went to do the summer course with him, uh, which was in Paris. And I was bombing. And on the last day, he like hit me with some super like real shit 
And he was like, you don't take your ideas seriously. You te- don't take yourself seriously on stage. And if you continue like this, you'll never be a clown. And I'm like, in my red note, like, I was like, it was brutal. So and, he's telling you this as yeah. you're dressed in full I'm like, clown So, garb. like, I'm in short shorts, a robe, <laughs> a red <laughs> nose, and I'm, like, desperately trying to be funny, and I'm not funny, like, at all. Okay. So you're and, not, like, out there doing material. You're, like, no, just doing... No, like, I'm trying to do, like, clown numbers. Yeah. And this guy, like, so he's, like, a guru. Like, uh, his name is Philippe Gaulier. Shout and, out, Philippe. And he... uh he like Not he'll have you pronounce that last name yeah he'll have you on stage and he has like a little drum on his stomach uh-huh and if he so firstly if he lifts his drumstick everyone in the workshop starts whistling and starts like going and it means like you suck oh and you really? have to change what you're doing because otherwise he's going to beat that drum and when he beats the drum like that's your stage time is over holy shit yeah and then he'll be like, "I wish we could do that." Brennan, like, yeah, right. He'll be like, "Brennan was was Raphael awful or was he fucking awful?" And you have to be like, "Yeah, he was fucking awful." Wow. Because if you go, "No, no, he's good," he'll be like, "Okay, Raph, like, do five more minutes." And then like it's you know then super you, awkward. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then he'll be like, "Brennan, was he st- like? <laughs> what do you think? Was he awful? Or fucking awful?" You're like, yeah, yeah, he's fucking awful. But the standard was super high. Uh, and it was like very crit- very critical. But having said that, like when you did well, you felt what it feels like to do really well. Yeah, especially in that environment. Yeah, and so I ended up studying with the guy for like two years. Uh, and this is after this school. Is, this is yeah. you've already done. Yeah, 2015, so, 2013. That's got to be frustrating to be like I got basically passed at Laughing Skull on my yeah. second try, and now I'm getting railroaded (laughs) at clown school but it it was also like i was i had lost my playfulness with it and i i wasn't having fun on stage you started becoming like jaded yeah and i like people weren't booking me and i was like that guy who was like why am i not getting booked but i know that guy i am that guy (laughs) yeah but like their problem yeah i was like but i was also like not getting any laughs i was like (laughs) they don't understand what i'm trying to say yeah yeah and it like and I would like try new material every time. Like I never like, I don't know. It was a bit things were getting a bit messy. And then so then I studied with this guy and I I like I really felt good about it and I came back to London and I just I couldn't do it. I, I stopped performing for about two maybe like three or four years now. Okay. Uh and then recently I just like since COVID, I was like, you know what, I really want to get back and I feel like I have some sh- stuff to say and I also feel like I'm I'm able to be self-critical in a positive way now. I, That's a big thing. Yeah, because I think that, like, it's really easy when you're doing well, but, like, when you don't do well and you're trying to figure out why, it's very easy to be like, oh, I suck and this sucks and I don't want to do this. But it's very, it's much better to be like, all right, what went wrong there? Yeah, how like, can I fix this? Yeah, yeah. That's something I struggle with because I always want my material to say something like, I always wanted to have levels. I yeah. always wanted to be like, oh, it's funny on the surface because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. But I also wanted to say something underneath. And you've yeah. seen my set a, a few times. Yeah. Like, I talk about my scars and my drug addiction and my alcoholism yeah. and stuff. So it's like, yeah, it's funny on the surface. But then also, if you're going through something like that, it means more to you. Yeah. <laughs> but the problem that I run into is sometimes I'll be sitting with Savannah, my girlfriend, who's been on the podcast before. Huge crowd favorite. But she'll say, why don't you say this? And it'll be... Like, as someone who goes on stage, you'd be like, I would never... That's so generic or so hacky. Like, I would never say that. 
but then I'll think about it more, like you're saying, and be like, I mean, if I if I did say that, it would yeah. it would get laughs. And I've tried yeah. stuff that she's mentioned, and it's gotten laughs. And part of me hates myself for doing it's it. It's tough, isn't it? It's tough. Like, <laughs> I I always find it. Like, if there's something that you're like, oh, this is an easy thing. But at the same point, like, your job is to get lost. Yeah, exactly. Dude, Philippe would come up to us before clown. Like, he would he would come down from, like, the first year classes to the second years. Like, second years when you do clown. And he would go, are you going to be funny today? And you'd be like, uh, I don't know, Philippe. But, like, I hope so. And they go, it's your job yeah. to be funny. And so that, for me, is, like, what I try and, like, bring, like... It doesn't mean like you should say like deep stuff, but it's like you gotta like you gotta be entertaining. You gotta, yeah, at like, the same time, that's yeah. where uh, being high energy has really helped me because yeah. some of the stuff I'll talk about is super dark. But it's like when you're being goofy on stage and stuff, yeah. and, like running around the stage and like yeah. using your you know facial expressions and stuff that can really help because and I've I've talked about this before, but I I walk this fine line between truth telling and joke telling. Yeah, where I because I, I tell stories and some yeah, of my yeah. stories, I'm like, I'm not changing it. This is what no. happened. And then a lot of comics, especially back in Florida, a lot of the comics that I respected and trusted would be like, but it's funnier if you say this. And I go, yeah, but that's not what happened. And they go, but that's not the point. Yeah. Difficult. Call. And that's where I get kind difficult of because I want to be, you know, I want people when they come to see me to know everything I'm saying is true. Yeah. And it actually happened. But how true does it have to be to where you lose credibility? And when does it, why does it matter? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it, like, I think the truth is the funny thing. Yeah. And so, like, like, I always, uh, like, I learned this thing about two years ago. I wish I had known it sooner. But whenever anyone criticized my work, I was like, all right, there's a leak in the work. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, but it doesn't mean I need to plug it with what you're giving me. Yeah, I just need to plug that. Leak. There's something wrong. But yeah, yeah. Like I could get to a punchline quicker. I could get to a thing quicker. Okay, I might not use your thing, but like I, I see what you're saying. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, like so at these at this Goliath school, like you like because of the intensity of it, you'd have people uh like by Friday night. So every Friday you had to present, and you had to like prepare all week. And then the whole school would watch, like each year would watch. So there'd be two years and like 60 or 80 people. Like you'd have like 80 Jeez. people audience. Yeah. And like, and then you got to get up and you got to be funny. Oh, you awful. Or yeah, fucking yeah awful. exactly. And like, so you'd have like that mix of either you did a, like, and it's never, in, it's never in between. You never do. Okay. Yeah. You either do amazing or fucking awful. I've been in those rooms before. Yeah. Where everyone's <laughs> crushing. You're like, man, I'm going to kill it. And then you get up there and just bomb. And you're oh like, God. what the fuck happened? Yeah. So like after that, the Friday nights, like drinking sessions, cause it was like a, a town outside of Paris. So there was nothing there. There was just like one bar that we kept open till two in the morning. Okay. And, Things would get like everybody was mid twenties. Some people were like in their thirties, but basic and like some people were like a little younger. But like anybody can go to the school. You just need to go. Yeah, you just need to pay the money and go. There's no like audition process. Well, it's one of those things too, where either you're coming off the high of killing, yeah, or you're coming off the incredible sadness of bombing. Yeah, you're either way you want to drink. You're raw. Yeah. Yeah, and like some of these nights would go on to like eight in the morning, and obviously like everyone was hooking up. And the, the, the funniest thing to me was like the teacher liked knowing what the hell was going on in his class. So his wife would come up to like one of the girls I was friends with. And depending on like how much gossip she gave her on Monday morning, she would get cigarettes. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so like that was like the problem it was like <laughs> if you hooked up with anyone in school, like 
you couldn't first you couldn't tell anyone but also by monday everybody knew everyone knew and like if so it's like high school all yeah, over again and if not like philippe would be like so uh raf i heard you and uh clementine this weekend like in front of the class and you're like oh fuck, <laughs> how did you know <laughs> yeah he's got a mole on the inside yeah. of his wife <laughs> yeah exactly so what um you did the school, and then what did you want to happen with this? Did you just do it just to do it, or were you like, I want this to go somewhere? Or? Yeah, it was like a bit of both, but it was like I realized studying with him for a month that if I didn't study with this guy, I should quit. Okay. Because I was like bombing, yeah. and this guy was the solution in the sense that like I couldn't keep going the way I was going because I would never have made it. Yeah. Uh, and I would never have been like I, – I just would never have gotten past that stage. Because I like, I I knew that he was a genius in the sense of he tells you what the audience is thinking, and he reads Which the is, audience. Yeah, and that's something that's hard. Because we were talked about this the other day, but when you write a bit and you're yeah. like, "This is gonna kill," I yeah. think this is hilarious, and then you try it and it doesn't work. It's like no understanding the audience's thought process is yeah. incredibly difficult. Yeah, so anybody who can, it's is... like, and also he'll tell you whether they're bored or not. He might not tell you how to save it writing wise, but he can tell you like What's why it didn't it? work yeah. acting wise. And like when you're in the room and it's not working, it's really fucking clear. Like we all feel that vibe, just like oh yeah, plummet. <laughs> he would have like some insults that were fucking brutal though. He goes to one kid. This was like 2014 when the Malaysian airline disappeared. Yeah. And he goes, if it's a Malaysian airline, poof, it lands on the school. This is like three days after it's disappeared. He's like, it lands on the school. Good publicity for the school, but it kills these two actors. Would you say, no, Philippe, it's too much or in a way, good? <laughs> wow. <laughs> and everyone was like, That's yeah, in a brutal. way, good. <laughs> yeah. So, oh my god <laughs> so like yeah, it's good <laughs> yeah yeah no it'd be good like that was kind of what you were dealing with and so he so like but i knew like i would learn something with him like, but and so that was that was the moment and I, yeah. i've noticed this in doing the show and listening to other podcasts and just yeah being a student of comedy for as long as i like i've been watching comedy for more than 20 years like yeah i just i love stand-up and it's something I've always noticed is a lot of times when you hear interviews, everyone always has that that moment. Yeah. And that's what separates people doing open mics and people actually pursuing it yeah. as a full-time career is that yeah. moment of – so for me, it was when I got sober again and I was like, if I don't find something to do that I'm passionate about, I'm, I might just kill myself. Like I, yeah. I can't, I can't yeah. stand this. Yeah. For you, it was going to the class and you realized, yeah. well, if I want to do this, I have to stay I, here. Yeah. Like, I have to. Yeah, yeah. There was like – it was like a life – it was a life choice. Yeah. And – it was to me what was funny about it or not funny but it was like interesting was like i was always funny when i tried to be serious yeah and like it was brutal so we had a, a thing called melodrama where you were supposed to be like poor paris people and tragedy just hits you over and over again so we had a thing where and i hadn't really been funny in the school up till now like on and off like moments we had a an improvisation and the improv was this girl goes to see a flower seller. She buys a flower because her mother is coming out of hospital. She goes to the hospital. The doctor tells her her mother's not coming out of hospital. Her mother has passed away. And then she goes back to the flower seller and they have like this beautiful moment. And it's supposed to be a moment where everybody in the audience is like crying by how sad this is. So the guys who I was being the nurse, the guy who went on first was the flower seller and people were kind of giggling with him. Okay. And so I'm backstage and I'm like, all right, I'm going 
I'm a fucking like they're gonna I'm start gonna, crying. Yeah. yeah, like I'm, a, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna tell. This. Yeah, like I'm gonna say like the mother has cancer and like we're gonna like we're gonna go deep. We're gonna go deep. Yeah, I walk out on stage and he has like a little microphone on Philippe. And I walk out. I get about halfway through the stage, and I'm like, like, and I just hear. <laughs> it was him laughing. Yeah, and he never laughs. Like he doesn't. He laughs at nothing. And the whole audience is like creasing it. And I'm like, guys, no, I'm, like, I'm going to tell this girl like, her mother has cancer. Like, no, it's not funny. Like, not funny at all. Like, We're getting super serious, yeah, guys. Like, this is not like, I'm, like, I'm happy that you're laughing, but like, not now. Like, please. And so it was like a huge lesson of like, all right, how can I? And then now, like when I do stand up, I'm like, how can I bring that level of seriousness into yeah. it? Where it's like, for me, it's real. But for you guys, it's comedy. That's and that's like, I think that's why you and I click so well is because yeah. I have that same. I would use different wording, but it's that same that same mindset of yeah. This is if you looked at this stuff that I'm talking about on paper, yeah, you would it's go not funny. At this all. is horrific. Yeah, yeah. But when the way I do it on stage, it's to get you to laugh at it. Yeah, yeah. It brings a lightness. And yeah. A, uh, a, a freedom to it. Oh yeah, almost. Yeah, and th- and that's and I'm really glad you said that because that that's something that I've noticed too. And this happened to us at Broadway the other day, where someone went up and then they just stopped in the middle of their set and was at, were asking because I had mentioned jail. Yes, and she said, "Oh, you've been to prison." And I said, "Well, no, jail, not." And I was yeah. being, yeah, yeah, you were dead serious, genuine and serious. I said, "No, I've been to jail, not prison." And she goes, "Well, what's the difference?" And then I started to explain it to her, not even. Yeah, no, no, funny. you were just being. And yeah. everyone started laughing, yeah. and I was like, "Wait, what?" Because yeah, you're, yeah, because it's like you're a clown. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But it's like, so like my friend Rafa, who was the the guy who was like the flower seller, he was never funny in clown. And then one day he came out, and just like he just came out from the back for the stage, and like just before something started, and he just goes, he was German, he goes, "Where are my shoes?" And everybody started laughing, <laughs> yeah. and it was like genuinely sincere guy looking for his shoes. But because he wasn't trying to be funny, he was just being himself. Self, yeah. And it's like, it's 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 simple and it's fucking hard to like do that and to yeah. get to that point where you're like, okay, I'm so comfortable on stage that I don't, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just trying to be myself, but myself is funny. Yeah. That has been like a lesson that I'm like still trying, trying to get to hold on, that yeah. balance. And like, yeah, like that, but that moment is very kind of important where you're like, okay, I'm going to take it seriously and I'm going to like be committed to it as well in a way. Like, I think also I, I love it as a genre and I yeah. respect it. It's very, it's, um, yeah, it's very like intense to kind of, to do it and to do it in a way that you feel like is doing it, the, the form justice. Well, and that's the other thing too, is to fully commit. Yeah. Because there are times, especially early when I first started stand-up and then also when I came back, where I would see comics go up and I'm like, I like I can do that, like what they're yeah. doing. But then when you actually try certain things, yeah. you're like, oh, I'm not fully committed to this. Because you, yeah. you, if you if you have any doubt in your head whatsoever, it's not yeah. going to work, no, no. you're fucked. Yeah, and you see, the audience sees it. There's like a they moment can where feel you, it yeah, as yeah. soon as you start. Yeah, Philippe would say that at times. He's like, he doubts. Look, he doubts. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, 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 you see it. Like, you see it. Okay, like, and it's like, it's it's like a cancer. Like, the minute you doubt, they doubt, it's over. And that's that's always the hardest thing for me when I write 
new material. So if I, so this is what I started doing now is I will write down a premise or like just yeah. jot something down. Yeah. So that's the one thing I noticed is that if you doubt something, even if you think it's good. Yeah. It shows. It shows because it's, I've gotten, I, I told you about the bit I wrote about the, like the football thing and I was like, oh, yeah. this is going to kill. And as soon as I started it, I, yeah. I doubted it. And then it's over. It was three minutes of just, just, just. Oh, you don't horrific. pull the shoot. I pull no, the yeah. shoot. I don't. So I had. I don't. I had a. I had a thing about Prince Harry. Yeah. And I did it. Yeah. Tell like, this story because this is a. You I did it this. at like a black club, and the minute I mentioned Prince Harry, I noticed everybody in the room was just like, I, I couldn't give a shit about this. Yeah. Guy. <laughs> like they What's your point? Yeah. Yeah. They didn't. They didn't give a fuck. And like, it's funny because in other clubs. They was like really into it, and it's like the difference about Americans and British people. Yeah, and like, and they get super into it. Yeah, yeah, and so like, so about the first joke in, I was expecting it to kill, and it just got like, <laughs> huh. like it got like nothing. Yeah, and so I just literally like pulled the shoot. I was like, all right, I'm not doing any more of this. <laughs> like, See, and that's <laughs> my problem is that's what I was gonna say before we got interrupted by all the hecticness. Um, now I've gotten better at just writing out a premise. Yeah. And then I will I, I will try it on stage once. Yeah. Just as a freeform thing. Yeah. Because then it's I, loose. I don't know what I'm going to say. Yeah. So we can kind of and I record every set so we can oh, kind of nice. just play with it. Yeah. So like all the stuff I did at the show that we were at together, all that stuff, for the most part, I had written at Central Park like a few hours before. Nice. OK. But I was just kind of like, oh, these are interesting ideas. And then I got on stage and I just kind of did it as like a free flowing thing. Where I was like, this is how I thought of it when I was walking yeah. through Central Park. So this is how I'll say it. Because what's That's happened good to me in the it, past yeah. is I've written it out full form before I've even tried it. And then when I go to try it. You're not loose. It, exactly. You're not loose. And, yeah. And the audience can feel that. And my other big problem is if it starts to bomb, I'm like, well, I've written two minutes of material <laughs> on this. So I'm doing all two minutes. Yeah. yeah. Whereas if I'm just free flowing, I can like, get out easy. Like it's yeah. like, oh, I, I don't. If no one's laughing, then I don't have anything else to say. Yeah, that was like, to me, what was really interesting about Goliath was that like, I learned there that the writing was not so important. It was more the delivery. Having said 100%, that, 100%. now I'm like, it's, they're both. It's 50-50 yeah. because if you don't have the writing pat, you can have like, like, you can't necessarily rely on your skills as a clown. Yeah. Because sometimes they don't laugh and then you're like, you're in the shit. And you have to get out of the <laughs> yeah. shit, you know, like, and that's something I noticed as well is so I will record it and then I'll go back and listen to it and then I'll, and then I'll write it out. So I always oh, try nice. it once okay. free form and then I go, okay, this worked, this worked. Cause I was telling yeah. you, there was something that um, Savannah had pointed out to me before any other comic, she yeah. pointed it out. She goes, Hey, sometimes you pull the microphone away oh, when you're saying something. And I go, yeah, that's because it's not a written line. So I use it as a crutch. If I pull yeah. the microphone away and I don't get a laugh, yeah. it's because I pulled the microphone away. Yeah. She was like, yeah, but imagine how – imagine instead of just the first row that heard you laughing, imagine everyone heard you and they're laughing. And yeah. I was like, "Yeah, oh, yeah. So now I always keep the mic up. She's a, That sounds like an amazing audience member because it's like sometimes you need somebody to show you what you're doing. And you see it like from the outside. Yeah. And then that's exactly you know? what happened was yeah. I, I did it like as a throwaway, like, yeah. oh, I'm so cool. Let me just throw the mic away while I say something. Yeah. And she's like, no, nah. but the people in the front row laugh because what you said was funny, but no one else heard it because you pulled yeah. the mic away. Yeah. And then you're like, all right, that's why I'm not getting the laugh. Yeah. Yet. That's yeah, why yeah, it's yeah. not hitting as hard. Yeah. Because yeah. I noticed that there was like, 
it's it's i mean i find the game of it so fascinating oh my god and the it's like so the details like like i there was a guy who was doing a bit uh and like the it was very funny and the premise was like uh that um he was dating someone and instead of ghosting him she wrote on she wrote back to one of his message unsubscribe yeah it was a really funny bit but the way he was delivering it it was like he was unsubscribing from her so he looked like the asshole he looked like the asshole and so i said to him like yo that bit is a great bit but like we need it needs to be clear that she's unsubscribing from you because then you you're you look like yeah you're empathetic yeah exactly and it's like the minute we don't like you you can tell like unless you're like playing the villain and some people are great at that yeah and like then we like you to be the villain but like other times we need you to be the you're the nice guy we need you to be the nice guy yeah and like it's so it's such a tight walk like tightrope walk and it it's yeah it's just like it's it's easier to be the audience member like I, that was like my thing when i did clown at godia was like other people would go up and they bomb and i'm like oh, okay I, I know exactly what i'll do yep. i get up and then when you get up it's like 50 people looking at you and you're expected to be funny yeah it's a different feeling it's so it's so bizarre because i've been at shows and watched people bomb and i was like man when i go up i'm gonna destroy like i see everything they're doing wrong and then you get up there and this has always been my achilles heel is if my first joke or if my first two jokes don't land i'm fucked oh because i I'm already an anxious person. I yeah. already get in my head. Yeah. So if I get up there and I've been trying really hard the last couple of years to endear myself to the audience because yeah. I've had shows before where it's like, okay, I only have 10 minutes, so I'm going to do all my crazy intense stuff Yeah, because that I, I've, I've got like 20 or 30 minutes of material on that and that's the stuff I like to do. Yeah. The problem is if you don't ingratiate yourself to the audience, they just think you're a psycho to your point about the yeah. villain thing. So there's ways I've found of dealing with that. Yes. The two things, one is like, so I have that, this story where I go very loud. I pretend I'm like the crazy guy on the subway. Yeah. If I'm going super angry, the angrier and louder I go, then I can shift that to the more quiet and less movement I go afterwards. Oh, I see what you're saying. So yeah. I bring that shift so they go, oh my, this is insane. And they're like, no, no, he's he's fine. He's just doing it. Yeah. yeah. And so, and the for me, what works is that the yelling and the like bigness... Uh, scares them yeah and it changes the energy of the room and so <laughs> whenever you're <laughs> whenever you're whenever i feel like i'm bombing i'm like all right how can i change the energy in this room so it's like if it needs to be a scream it's a scream but it's like all right and then we'll come back yeah because uh there's like it's like two things one they need to know that you know that you're bombing yeah you have to you have to acknowledge accept it, it. emotionally I, there's a comic and there's a comic i know from florida love him to death one of my closest friends He'll he said Marcus Crespo for those of you listening he's been on this podcast a bunch but he'll literally say oh that didn't work or that yeah. was stupid yeah and then everyone laughs yeah yeah because and he's you, acknowledging and, like and that's it like because like Philippe would have a phrase which was great which was the audience if they don't laugh the audience is from Belgium and they don't understand they don't understand your comedy okay but it's okay like you're gonna you're gonna break them down so like you but you have to acknowledge that they don't understand your comedy. Yeah, if you don't acknowledge there's a problem. Yeah. we've both seen people get off stage and be like, man, I killed it. And you're like, the fuck show no, are you yeah, watching? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and I'll do the opposite. Like, sometimes people will be like, you killed it. And I'm like, 
I don't know, man. I feel I'm, like see, I was, I'm that. I'm yeah. that all the time because yeah. I'm super. I'm super competitive, and I'm, I'm like, very hard like on myself. There's like 20 seconds in the middle when nobody yeah. was offering. So I'm like, like, well, yeah, the opener did well, and like the closer did pretty okay. But like, what about that whole middle part for yeah. 12 minutes where it was just like kind of chuckles? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, and so it's it's weird. It's weird having that like point of view on yourself, but I do think there are like there are ways that you can save the situation and you can change it because the audience is wants to be entertained yeah they're just they're, that's why they're there yeah yeah like even in their roughness or their like shittiness sometimes like i did an open mic this week where there was a guy who had lost his fantasy football game and so his whole fantasy football group yeah came to watch him and they were like they were as nervous as he was oh really yeah you could tell like the vibe was just weird yeah <laughs> but even them like you could get something uh, but yeah, it's like, I noticed it, uh, I noticed it at the school and then I, I started to learn, like after I left the school, I started to learn it. Okay. It well, and there's one more thing I wanted to touch on. You had yeah. mentioned just the delivery versus the writing. And it's yeah. something that's interesting to me about the delivery aspect is there are certain bits I, cause I'm high energy when I'm on stage. So yeah. there's certain bits I do where I will do an act out without even knowing I'm doing an act out. Yeah. Cause I'm just going You're in it. Yeah. And there was one, I have a whole bit, and I actually have merch about it and everything, but there's a bit where I talk about uh, basically stalking my ex-fiance. And then the the punchline to the bit is, you know, just remember next time you tell someone you're going to love them forever and always, then I pause, I look at a face, like there's no watch, but I look at my wrist and I go, it's still forever and always. But that whole thing came about as just like happenstance. Yeah. And then Chris Buck, a, a really good comic from Jacksonville, was like, hey, Look, because I did the joke a couple more times. He goes, hey, you don't do the wrist thing anymore. And I didn't even know what he was talking yeah. about. Yeah. The first time you did the bit, you looked at your like your wrist yeah. like you had a watch on. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. Like that yeah. one little thing about the because the yeah. joke never hit his heart after. No. And I couldn't figure it out. He goes, you paused so the audience could catch up to you. Yeah. Yeah. You looked at nothing on your wrist and said it. Yeah. Then you said, well, I just checked. It's yeah. still always and forever. And I yeah. was like, oh, my God, that literally like. That four it's a little seconds. thing, but also it's right really interesting because you could be trying to do a thing where you go really big and you make movements and you're big and like blah blah, blah and people couldn't laugh and you just do that simple thing. That you was look yeah. at your watch and you think, and it's really interesting because like I've noticed that now when I'm watching stand up here is that some people don't know the power they have. Yeah, and they move around a lot. And I don't want to be the guy who says it, but it's like, just stand still because we are we're with you. Yeah, like and like, but you do that one movement. And everybody and knows what you're doing. There's also jokes where, like yeah. you were talking about with the yelling, where I where I would yell at certain points. Yeah. And I would never get quiet. I would just speak in my regular voice. Yeah. And then Buck, to his credit again, was like, hey, did you ever think about maybe yelling this one, this line? Yeah. But then whispering the next line. Yeah. And like just little things like that. It's that contrast. Yeah. And that makes all the difference in the world. I think, and this might not be true, but I think a lot of people will come up to me like after a show and be like, you're funny because your accent is really funny and people like yeah. your accent. And I'm you like, that whole bit about that. yeah. And like, I think that the reason that they say that is because people don't hear, you don't study the contrast of the tone of voice mm-hmm. and the contrast in the tone of voice is really funny. Yeah. But it's not something that people know. Like, so that, so they don't see the punchline. So they're like, why are they laughing? Oh, your accent. That's what I think. Or it's that my accent's funny and I just like... <laughs> and it's just <laughs> <an old> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what ended up... Anything. 
what ended up happening? So you were at the school for about two years, and then yeah. did you go back to London? So then I went back to London, and I I did the Edinburgh Festival. I had this show with like a few characters. Now that was, festival, I've heard stories. That's more of a it's intense. Yeah, it's, it's like intense. a it's like a storytelling, or because the comedy over there is a lot different than it so is here. There's a lot more wacky stuff. Okay, and people like the wacky people stuff. People always just say it's a lot different, so I'm not sure. It's it's <laughs> so the festival is like everyone can go. Yeah, and. Uh, they sell it as like you're likely to get successful. You're really not. Like it's <laughs> like you have to have like a very good like you have to have a very good idea, very good title, and a very good show. Okay. And you might need a really good PR team if you're like if if you want to make it. And it costs a lot of money. And it's essentially, but there's some amazing stuff. And there's people like Fly of the Concords, Fleabag, like all of those things got big because they had a very big edinburgh festival okay um i was kind of on the other side of things in that i would do free shows with a bucket so you pass around a bucket and that's kind of good because you know how well you did yeah exactly because like people come and if you kill you get a lot of money and if you bomb you get nothing yeah and uh you get good at like it's a it's a great place for a young comic to get like five or six shows a day and get audiences and just like People who want to watch, them. Yeah, 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 and mind their people are there for the festival. Yeah, and it rains all the fucking time, and so the festival is on like you know from twelve p.m. to four in the morning. Oh wow! Yeah, people are doing shows all the time, and they good. Like, there's some really good stuff, and there's some interesting stuff, and like it was to me, it was interesting because I helped learn like what I liked. Yeah, and so that was when I saw like other students of like Golier, and I was like, oh, I really like what they're doing here. And I, like, even if I don't like them, I appreciate them. Yeah. And like, uh, there's certain, there's certain comics that are a bit bizarre that get very successful from it. And then there's certain people who like, I've, like, I've seen people break. Like, oh, really? Yeah. Well, cause like one, one friend of mine, she, uh, she had a good show, but she had a shit time slot and she wasn't good at flyering and her show didn't have a, an, that interesting a title. And so she so couldn't when you get say people. Title, you legitimately mean just the title of the show. Yeah. So like, I had a friend who put on a show called Edinburgh Must Sees at the Free Fringe, and we packed it out every day. Yeah, we had it's no. Yeah, but we had no must sees. We yeah. just had like other open mic comics. But like, we packed out. That's 40 when people, people are barking in New York, and they're like, "Yeah, Jerry yeah. Seinfeld might show up." Yeah, like, yeah, yeah exactly, full of shit. exactly. But like, for a free show, everybody came. Yeah, and like so we did really well i mean like from that show like you know we had like good good audiences but like most audiences at edinburgh is like six or eight people sometimes okay so you you really have to get the title right uh you have to make it something people want to go yeah and like my biggest regret is that my two characters like one of them was like basically like scarface and the other one was like prince but i named the show the wedding guest if I called that show Scarface versus Prince, oh, I would have packed out the place. Yeah, I'm like, I'm still regretting it today because I'm like, that's that's it. It's as simple as that. Like, it's a free show. People see that, they're like, yeah, I'll watch that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even know what that is, but I yeah, exactly. I don't get yeah, exactly. Characters. Yeah, exactly. I'm in. But like, that was, and it, it teaches you like about marketing and about all of those things. But it's a very difficult festival because you're gigging all the time mm-hmm. and. You're flyering, which is like, you know, like barking. And it's, it's soul destroying because like people don't like it, it's very difficult to get people. And like after you flyed for an hour and then you have to do your show, it was, it's a difficult it can, thing. It can wear on you. It can yeah. Be a lot. Yeah. Having said that, 
your rate of improvement and your like you're like i would i would watch like three to five shows a day and you see so many different things and some of it people don't and this is something that kind of bothers me about the new york open mic scene is that yeah. everyone comes as their time and lease i i understand everyone's no busy. i watch everyone if I'm i the can same way if i can i'll watch as much as i can because it's like you you can learn a lot from watching other yeah. comics like they're and not even when they're bad though because like i'm like what is my criticism of them like and do what, i have what would like, i do differently yeah like, what and that's actually something that happened to me is because i i go to the stand a lot to just hang out really yeah, yeah. i i just like being around like i said yeah comedy, yeah you love comedy and the yeah. seller's a little too far away so i go to the stand a lot it's and it's not trains. a hang yeah it's not the seller's not really a hang it's like yeah a, like unless you're a paid regular there yeah. it's not a place to but so anyway but every time I, I go, a lot of times I'll, I'll go to the back to watch a show. Um, and there was there's been a few times where you watch the comics and you go, okay, I know. Because I've been doing it long enough to where I think I have my voice. Like, yeah. That's, you know I'm where you're, to be modest, yeah. but I know exactly what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. Like, so there's, I'm never in fear that I'm going to watch someone and be like, oh, did I subconsciously take their material? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, everything yeah. I do is based on sh- stories that have happened to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm never worried about that. But I've seen some where I'm just like, like they are. And this is at a, a prime comedy club yeah. on 16th Street. They pack out the rooms. Oh, yeah, People yeah. are there to see comedy. And I've seen people just eat it. Really? Yeah. That's and I'm like looking around and I'm like, is this the audience? But then you really, like you said, when you observe it and watch it and kind of like think about it, you're like, Oh no! It's because they're talking about this specific thing, and, and nobody is nobody relating it. to it. Yeah, and some of my stuff is not very relatable. But I, I act it out almost as if you're watching it on yeah. TV. Like I, I give you yeah. so much detail that you're like, okay, I can see myself there. Well, and also I think sometimes to me, like the, the what you said about like jail and prison was funny because I didn't know that. Yeah. Like, I didn't and know. Another that. thing, yeah. If it's and something it's, so I can it's point like out. something where you're like, okay, like, bring me into your world, but like, give me a map. Like, yeah. let me, like, because, exactly. like, sometimes yeah. your world, like, you know, you might think, like, I grew up, like, yesterday I was hanging out with a comic and he says something about this show, Ed, Ed and Eddie, or something like that. Ed, Ed and Eddie. Yeah. Never heard of it. Yeah. Whoosh. And he says something about a mattress and him and the waitress started laughing. And I was like, I didn't know what the hell they were talking about. And like in England, and so then he was talking about uh, Oasis. Okay. And I was like, oh yeah, Champagne Supernova. He was like, no, I know Wonderwall, that's it. And I was like, you don't know. And I went through like 10 songs. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, and I was like, what? You didn't like, in my head, I was like, you didn't have a childhood. Like what the hell? Yeah. Uh, and like, so what like, are your parents doing? Yeah. Like, so like in England, like we started drinking at like 13 or 14. Okay. And we would have like, we'd have these things called piss ups. Which was yeah, you had this written down. I want to know what this. Yeah, was. so piss ups is is basically a pregame, but when you're like 14 and there's no game, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. it's like so you would invite like some guy would know like because I went to an all boys school as well. Oh, did you? Yeah. So like some guy was would, it a religious school or just an all boys school? It was an all boys school. Like I guess all British schools are. Uh, catholic or christian maybe not catholic like yeah they're not catholic yeah yeah no like i'm jewish so fun fact yeah that's where the anglican church came from because uh, yes king george wanted to get divorced divorced. yeah so these are like so the the posh school my parents were not from england and like my dad was american that's how like i i live here okay but like they wanted to send their kid to like a good english school absolutely yeah and so the best ones are like all boys schools and or all girls schools 
and the vibe is like completely different i yeah. don't think my parents had any idea like my mom grew up in madrid my dad grew up in new york like oh wow they, so that's gonna they be... didn't know they didn't know what the hell they had like put me up for yeah and me and my brother but like so basically we were like 14 years old <laughs> we we would so we had a liquor store or like a we call them off license and they sell booze you call them what off license off which license? i think i think license is pubs and off license is like liquor stores. Okay. But we used to call them off licenses. And we we go to the off license. And because the drinking age is 18 in England, there was a guy named Sonny who was like a Sikh. Sonny. Yeah. Fucking Sonny. So it was Sonny's and it was a Sikh guy. And Sonny would let you buy booze if nobody was in the shop. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but then at some point we showed up and Sonny wasn't there. And it oh, was like no. a different owner. And then I waited for everyone to leave. And I was like do you think if there's no one here we could just buy booze and he like looked at me he was like yeah sure oh really <laughs> yeah so they didn't care <laughs> nobody cared like it was i know like we would buy like smirnoff ice and bacardi breeze uh, oh, and all yeah. that like sugary shit but like we and you're 14 at the time 14 yeah i got the first time i got drunk was at my bar mitzvah okay like and bar mitzvah was 13 or 14 13 13 all right yeah i i just like i had like a vision of what drinking was and I was like, I'm all for this. Yeah. Like, so wait, what happened at the bar mitzvah? Did you sneak something in? Did your friends no, bring you something? Like, I would like, I would go to the bar, but I was also like kind of a, a like pushy kid. I was like, it's my bar mitzvah. Like, just give me a drink. And they were like, yeah, sure. All right. Fine. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, your, is your dad all right with this? I was like, yeah, yeah. He's fine. Don't ask yeah, him. he's fine. He's from New York. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. from Madrid. They're cool. <laughs> They're cool. They're cool. And like, I, my grandfather was a big drinker. So he was like, he was always like pro like that aspect of things. Yeah. But, like, I, I took it too far. Like, I, at 13, and I was, like, I was drunk. And you like, were drunk in your apartment? <laughs> you know, like, telling all my cousins I love them. And, like, <laughs> it, was too, it was too much. And then... Oh, I got it. That's going to be the name of the episode. Drunk at my own bar mitzvah. <laughs> so then, like, we would... So then after that... I think like my parents were probably a little worried because they're like, "What is this like fourteen year old doing?" So were you? Did you you kept drinking? Then? Yeah, you kept going to the store. And- yeah, yeah. Like so then, like that was like pretty much what we were doing like every weekend, and uh, we would go to the store, and then we would have like we would have like because we had nowhere to go, we would go to someone's house, but usually it'd be like eight or ten of us pissed up and yeah, and until like sixteen when you could like get into pubs. And like, oh wow you could get yeah it's i also had my brother was older so i had my brother's passport okay so, so i would use that and did you because i know you have dual citizenship was yeah. it the american passport so he had a british one this might be super illegal but he had a british one that he lost <laughs> and then re- was renewed yeah and then he found it so it had never been canceled yeah he lost his pa- I'm yeah, with yeah, it. yeah 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 wink, wink, so pop, i would pop. use his old passport from like when he was like seven or eight and i would like but the date yeah, we're 83. Yeah, so, so that's like, what I'm saying is you could use the date on it and your yeah. kid in the photo, so I yeah. don't know. So that's what would happen. Like, everyone would look at the date and then they'd look at the photo and be like, haha, look at like, this childhood photo of you. And I was like, all right, good. They, they didn't How ask. long are passports good for? Like 20 well, years? Because it was already expired, it didn't matter. Oh, you were just using it for the date? Yeah, yeah. But also, like, it had never been, like, cut off like Got an it. old expired I, I one saying, had. Yeah. So I was able to use it, like, even when I came to the States, I used it to 21. Like I use it. Yeah. Like Cause it was a few years older. Yeah. And then dude there, I had like a, f- when I was in college, I had a fake national ID card, like an English one. Yeah. And once I went to Toco Hills package store and it's probably still up there. The guy takes the ID 
and it puts it up against the wall of fake IDs and right next to another like fake British one. Was it really? Yeah. And he was like, and I was like, all right, I'll just go then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is great. <laughs> It's See, like, this is what the show's all about. Ex-drinking buddy stories, man. This yeah. is, I, I always get, I, not always, but I do get some DMs sometimes and everyone's like, you talk about comedy so much. It's because it's what yeah. I like to talk about, but it's, it's uh, like, it's also kind of something that like is related in that. Like I never realized until I started doing comedy that probably one of the reasons I was drinking so much was boredom. Yeah. Like, is that like, I just have a low tolerance to boredom. Mine's anxiety, but yeah, same, yeah, same kind of thing. Like, it's like, but I mean, also, I was like 14, and I think I was like, I wanted to be like Eminem. Like, Eminem was okay. like my idol, and he was like the I've got guy. got so many jokes where I reference Eminem. <laughs> oh, yeah, I yeah. I swear to God. Yeah, because like I he tell was... people all the time, I'm always like jokingly, because I talk about so much violent stuff on stage, yeah. I'm like, I'm the Eminem of comedy. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, like, he was the guy, and like, yeah. he was always Kim talking is about- the greatest love song ever written. <laughs> well- <laughs> That's one of the things I said. That's say one of the things, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I see how you ended up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I, uh, so when we were 14, that was when that second album came out. Okay. And there was a song about the like. The Marshall Mathers LP. Yeah. And there was one, uh, fuck, I can't remember, but it was like, uh, you give dr- me any drugs, what I they used it. to say I was, oh no, that was, uh, no, I can't remember, but it will come back to me. But there was one about like partying and drinking. Yeah. And, um, we'll just sit there ignoring, even though you wake up feeling like, like shit, shit every, every morning. morning. Yeah. yeah. So that song came out. And What's we, a little bit of spinal fluid between you and a friend? friend? Yeah. 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 So we were like, we had stolen, or a friend of mine had gotten a bottle of vodka and we were, I think we were Wait, 14. stolen? I don't know if stolen or not. I think not because I think we could buy it. There's a big difference when you're telling a story of my friend got a bottle of vodka and we stole a bottle of well, vodka. So I've done both, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but like I, so what I used to do when I went to the States was I, I would steal it or fr- with a f- few friends, but then we would leave cash where we took the bottle. Okay. So you're kind of like, we're just taking this because we don't have the idea. Yeah. To get yeah. It, we're not stealing Which I don't it. know if it's better. But, like, I didn't, like... No, it's a lot better. Because yeah. they don't have to... It's yeah. not coming out of their pocket. Yeah, exactly. Drug Ballad, by the name, by the way. Yes, the that's it. But, yeah, like, so I don't think we stole it. I think we got it. I didn't it. look that up for everyone listening. I just... That just came up. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's so your you Eminem knowledge. It. But, like, yeah. But so maybe it, left cash. Well, yeah. Or, like, a lo- in England, what happened is a lot of the times you'd steal it from your parents. Like, yeah, liquor, that's whatever, the same so. thing in the States. Yeah. So we were like 14 and we went to this disco, but it was like a little bit of a weird vibe. There was like four or five of us. And so all we, dudes. Yeah. But like the girls were like, there was like 30 girls, uh, but like none of us knew them and it was a bit weird. So we had this bottle of vodka and then we just like pieced from the party okay. and we went on this like epic journey to like a bunch of different girls houses really yeah like girls like, that you knew how yeah this yeah happen? okay yeah yeah so i didn't know them but so like it's like a friday night you guys yeah. go to the disco and then yeah. you're like this is lame let's bounce yeah and then like while we're doing that like one of my friends who's like the only one with the cell phone at the time was like getting all these calls from the girls being like where where are you and we were like making up stories about so like in england we would say like people getting jacked which is like where people getting mugged yeah and we were like, our friend got mugged and we had to go like help him out meanwhile we're like downing this bottle of vodka yeah, going like just... house to house like fucking <laughs> and we finally like make it back to the party 
and it's like obvious that we're all fucking drunk hammered like, yeah. yeah and they're like four, they're like 14 year old girls who are like maybe 13 like they're all sober and like you know their parents are at the disco yeah it's like like yeah it's the type of shit where if i was a parent i'd be like what the hell are you disappointed doing? yeah but i think my I, I think my parents kind of knew what was going on, but it was like so above their pay grade. Yeah. Like, cause they'd grown up in like a place where like this shit didn't happen. Um, and like, yeah, like it just wasn't my, my brother wasn't like this. Like, okay. I was just the one like going hard. Reckless. Yeah. And then like, like 16, we could get into pubs. Yeah. And that changed everything. So what, so you've already started to develop a little bit of a, a habit when it came to drinking. Yeah, I just because you were doing it every it weekend. It was like every and, weekend, yeah. yeah. And I don't know if that's, but I mean, in America, it's like that as well. I'd say like everybody under the age of like twenty three is functional alcoholic. Yeah, and like, I would completely agree with that because when I, I mean, when I was in high school and even when I was a child, I always was like, I'm not going to drink because yeah, people around me would drink, and they it was very. You saw the negative. Exactly. Aspect of Thank it. you. That's the best way to put it. So. Yeah. And whether it was, you know, family, friends, relatives, like, it doesn't matter. Like, just yeah. th- negative things would happen. Yeah, interesting, because I never saw that. Yeah, so... I just saw it within myself, but I was like, fuck it. Well, and so I went the other way. So I was always like, I'm not going to drink, but I also didn't... Like, I was a dork, like, literally. I was a nerd. I got bullied. I didn't have any, like, any really? friends really at all. Yeah. So by the time I started... Dr- and I was always super anxious. So I was always like, I'm not going to drink. But my my family, like, as far as my siblings... For the most part, all three of them were super popular, like had yeah. parties, you know, did high school parties, like oh, would drink. So like to your point, they would drink like on the weekends or when parents yeah. were out of town, oh, they'd okay. have a good time. And I was always like, I'm never going to do that. Like, fuck that. And then I drank for the first time my senior year of high school. OK. And I, I've mentioned this before, but my anxiety kind of like went away. Oh, and I'm fuck. super high strung, like vomit yeah. at the drop of a hat. Kind yeah, of yeah, same. So it went away and I was just like, you're like, this is amazing. This is this is I found a cure. Yeah, like, this is a miracle. Yeah, yeah. And so then I started drinking. I didn't develop alcoholism until much later. But then I started, like you said, drinking on the weekends and stuff. But yeah. for me, it didn't happen until 17. Yeah. So you avoided. I mean, also, English culture is different because yeah. it is a drinking culture. That's true. Yeah. And so like. At like 16, 17, I remember like football matches, uh, not necessarily because it was difficult. If you went there, they wouldn't always serve you. But like pubs and this pre-smoking ban. Like, yeah, so you could. Yeah, it was like. Smoke and much, drink inside, baby. Yeah, yeah. And like we had certain pubs that we knew we could get into even yeah. if we were underage, um, which is not a great system. But like that's what there was like one place where like if they ID'd you and you showed a fake, they wouldn't let you in. But they, if they knew you, they would just let you in. Oh, really? Even though they knew you were underage, because everybody was underage. Yeah. Um, See, I, I, for a long time, because I waited tables in Daytona Beach, so spring yeah, break and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. My rule was always, like, if especially if it was an out of town ID, if you had the balls to pull out an ID to show me, I was just gonna take your word for it. Because yeah. I'm not a cop. No, I'm I think gonna, that's the like, way. I don't know. I think that's the way it is here. Because I went out the other night, and there was like a group of girls and like my cousins are like 19 and 20 yeah and like these girls look younger than them oh really yeah and so i said to the waiter i was like uh, like are we serving 17 year old like what's what's the thing he was like well if they have an id like yeah if they, he was like that's the thing is like i can't like, i don't want them yelling at me in the like, culture today it's like i'm not gonna what am i gonna say yeah this, this person's like fatter than you yeah like, no, yeah I'm exactly not. it's not worth it yeah it's not and like but yeah like that was kind of that was kind of what we did like and when it came, I don't know, like, I don't think I realized it was like a thing until 
like college, that was when I was like, all right, I'm drinking like when well, I'm let's not get there because yeah, that yeah. kind of took us off track so yeah, you turn yeah. so you start drinking at 13 then 14 through 16 almost you're going every weekend you're hanging out with the friends yeah then you turn 16 and now you're getting into pubs yeah so we also had this crazy punk scene at the time okay so we had the libertines who were they were like equivalent to the strokes oh wow and they were like really big in england but like one of them was like a heroin addict who was like he was sleeping with kate moss i think and they were doing these shows and Boom, they, were, so they were like yeah like it was like uh it was nuts like so uh they had so this band they broke up i think basically because one of them was a heroin addict and was like robbing the others yeah and so but then when Hair they broke up he was he was and like he was doing gigs in pubs and then they got back together and like so we went to see them in these like get the pubs. fuck out of here yeah we would go to like these like little and that's un- the awesome thing about living in london like yeah. living in new york it's like yeah. yeah you could see some of the biggest names in the world by hopping on a train for five minutes. yeah exactly like and so we were like doing that and also we were like 17 so this was like yeah you know, that's awesome i idealized it um but at the same point, like some sometimes this was like on weeknights <laughs> down like four pints of Stella and you're like gotta go to school the next day. Yeah. And, like showing up late and like Hey just, guys. Yeah, exactly. Like but also like I wasn't in like the cool group. I w- this was like the fuck up group. Yeah. You know, like this, Yeah, and there's a big distinction. Like I've yeah. had people on and we'll tell stories and you're like, Wow, that's crazy and it's like yeah, but I was more with the the fuck Yeah, ups. yeah. Like, we were the guys that, like, there was a few people who were, like, smart, but, like, not necessarily popular, but they were, like, smarter. Yeah. And then there were, like, a few people where you're, like, oh, these are the, like, these are the guys. Yeah. <laughs> these are guys that might yeah, not make it. Because it's interesting. The stories I'm starting to realize are almost universal. Like, it didn't matter yeah. which group you were in. Yeah. Everyone has a story about stealing a bottle and getting hammered. Yeah, yeah. Now, the only difference is, was it with the popular kids? Was it with the yeah. fuck-up kids? Was it with the jocks? Was well, it like, the nerds? Once or, t- once or twice, you'd get invited to, like, the popular kid thing. Well, like, you said you. I I never did, but once or twice. You, no, I'm just. <laughs> yeah, kidding. yeah, but like, but it was like you'd always get it through like somewhere that yeah, you like, you know, like yeah, 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 you were yeah. like, I don't know if I want to show up to that, and like to be honest, it was like the same, like it was the same kind of thing as the regular it's, kids. Yeah, it was it's just slightly same. better looking, slightly bigger guys, slightly more attractive <laughs> yeah. people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, but like, I I often I often would end up like getting way too drunk at that age. <laughs> And like ended up like throwing up in the bushes. Hell like, yeah! You know, someone would have to carry me home. Like once I threw up on someone's jacket. And this and is post like sixteen four, or this no, is pre sixteen. Like fourteen. Okay. I, sixteen, I kind of learnt like that I could drink up to about three or four pints. Okay, and, and then good. and then like I had to st- and then I had to stop because okay. otherwise it's not that I would like get bad, but I would like throw up. Yeah, or, you just get sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I just, you know, and like. You learn that that's kind of your limit, and like that's how you space out a night. It's like three or four pints, good. Yeah. But um, before then, like people would come. Like I didn't know that there was a limit to how much you yeah, could drink. No, so yeah, yeah. Like, never know. Oh, there's ouzo. There's this. Like fuck it. I just had a bit of everything, and like I got to try all of it tonight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we were. I mean, we were probably there was like a different energy in London at that time. Like it was much more. Um, I wouldn't say this was like the Amy Winehouse days. It was a little bit before then, but it was that kind of a vibe. Okay. There was like, uh, yeah, there was the Libertines. There was like Russell Brand was getting bigger. There there was like all this kind of stuff was happening in London and it was all happening in pubs in like the back room of pubs. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, the back alley kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was kind of that thing of like the more, 
how do I describe it? Like, the more, like, niche it was, the better. The cooler it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh... It was literally the birth of what we would now call a hipster. Yeah, yeah. The and birth it, of that. And it was kind of that time where, like, we did... Like, there was nothing else going on in our lives. Yeah. Like, I was also very... I was pretty much against the idea of going to university because I hated school so much. Okay. Until somebody said to me, like one of my parents' friends' kids said to me, is like, your parents will pay for you to drink for three or four years. Oh, yeah. And I was like, all right, I'm good. <laughs> like, so what made you decide to go to um, school in the United States? It was like a twofold thing. One was like my brother went to Duke. And I, okay. went, I went and visited him and I was like, this is fucking awesome. Yeah. The other thing is the accent is so much better with women. Yeah, like, in, the, and, in the United States yeah. than it is. And so there was also that, but there was is also... That, like, is the reverse true for that? Like, if I were to go to London, would they be like, oh, it's you're a exotic? a little bit true, yeah. It, it, I, in a way, it is. Like, it, not as much as, I think, the British one in, like, Florida. Okay, I see what you're saying. But so like, not as is, much as the British here. Yeah, but the, there is an element of, like, oh, he's American. Yeah. Like, you could get away with things because, like, people would be like, oh, he's American. Like, yeah. he doesn't know that that's, like, not you know what i mean it's not proper yeah. yeah 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 so you could like you could make it sway but there's i think um i think that like you can yeah so basically i wanted to get out of london okay so i wanted, you wanted like to a change leave. yeah i wanted like a change in scenery and, and after visiting your brother you're like oh fuck it yeah the south is, is also fucking yeah. cool and i had like a few people i knew there and i just kind of like went with it and then that's when like fraternity life so you, you were in a frat. Yeah. So I like pledged a frat, but like it was much, it was much different. Like it was Emory. So it was like every frat was kind so of smaller like, school, right? Smaller school. And like, you know, not like not that extravagantly difficult like, yeah. in terms of, but it was also like the first time where I saw like your status in terms of popularity was how cool you were, like rather than like how, like, co like how cool you were in high school was like if you played rugby or not. Yeah. You know, and this was like, no, nah, no, nah, can you hang? Are you a nice guy? Yeah, you, so that's something cool? that is super interesting to me because, like I said, I was a nerd who got bullied and just had the worst kind of high school experience. Yeah. And when I got to college, because I played college football, and when I got to college, I was like, I'm going to change who I am. shift, yeah. So I, got, I get to college, and that's what I noticed is that, like, one of my best friends from college – if you looked at us on paper, you'd be like, they're exact opposites. But it's like but you're in saying. in college, you can make that It's thing. totally based on just how you connect. Yeah, yeah. And then him and I ended up becoming like best friends because. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, we both, you know, we both love Star Wars. We both love drinking. He still likes to drink. I, I yeah. obviously don't drink anymore. But like we clicked on a lot of different stuff. Yeah, yeah. And ended up was, being like best friends. Yeah, that was like one thing that I was like, this is amazing. Like I'm actually connecting with people not like. There is status for sure. Yeah, but, but it's, it's not different. As, it's it, not as the line in the sand isn't as so determined. Yeah. Like like you said, when you're in high school, it's like, oh, do you play sports? Are you a nerd? Do you do yeah. this? Do you do that? And that's kind of where all the boundaries are drawn. Yeah. And in England, like we also, well, I'm, I'm sure it's the same in high school here, but there was like a lot of banter and banter in England can get like, it's like basically if I was thinking about like talking about this on stage, but it's like banter is like if you. It's the same as here, but it's way meaner. Yeah. And like, you can kind of say anything and then be like, banter. Like, oh, like busting balls? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's like, it gets to the point where it's like, I don't know if that's, I don't well, know see, if that's that, like... I can't, I love that you brought that up because I, I can't banter with people. Oh, really? Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm very quick to let me, if you hurt my feelings, let me say the meanest 
Yeah, like, yeah. I want to destroy like, you. Fuck. There is no joke. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. It gets I, too far. It yeah. gets too serious. I used to say this bit. I I try to work it on stage, but it's so mean it doesn't even play as a joke. Yeah. And like, like I go straight to that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, and it's no, like that's, that's not. You don't know. That's nuclear. Yeah. <laughs> I think I said I can't remember what I said to a friend once, but I just remember him going too real. <laughs> <laughs> too yeah. Real. And like we, yeah. Like also, so we were talking before, like, but soccer was big in England, but it's all about the chance. Yeah. So like we would have, uh, so we started a league in our school, like a seven aside league. And, and this it, is at Emory? Uh, no, no. This is in, in high school. Okay. But, like, basically what would happen is it was an excuse for everybody to get on the sidelines and, like, chat shit to people yeah. on the football <laughs> the game. So it was like, you know, there was, like, a Muslim kid who's called a terrorist the whole time. Jesus Christ. Uh, like, I can't remember. Banter, it was like, banter, banter. Yeah, it was like, uh, I can't remember the first part, but it was like, da-da-da-da-da-da, he is a terrorist, Suhey. Oh, <laughs> It was like, what? Like, it was just, like, as offensive as could possibly yeah. be. And, like, it was sanctioned and, like, encouraged by the school. <laughs> like, that's the English kind of mentality. It's very different. Yeah, imperialistic. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, you it's don't like, say. But also, it's like, you're supposed to, like, take it and give it. Like, that's yeah, kind that's, of the way. Well, that's the thing, too, is that that's one of the problems that I have sometimes, even to this day, is being around, especially comics, because that's what yeah. we do. And yeah, sometimes, yeah. like, they're like, oh, we're just joking back and forth. But in my brain, because I'm sensitive, so in my brain, it's like, I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm a giant. Like, are you out of your fucking mind? And it's like, oh, wait, we're just, like, having yeah, yeah. fun. I mean, I've heard some, but, like, yeah, it's it's tough when it hits a nerve. Yeah. And you're like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Too real. But, yeah, like, so we did, so I, I, went, to, I went to Emory, and that was, like, do people uh, Americans drink? Yeah, Americans drink pretty good, hard. It. and it like well. And the difference I think, and you're 21, so you recover super fast. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. big difference though is I think in in Europe. And correct me if I'm wrong, because I've never been, but just from what I've learned over the years, drinking and like going out and stuff, is that people from Europe are more um, they pace themselves better outside so, of England. Yes, so it'll be like okay, I'm gonna drink. I'm going to drink all day, but it's going to be like a beer here and then like a glass of wine for lunch. Yeah, in then... England or in Scotland, it's just the same. It's, it's like the okay. same, if not worse. Because And Ireland as well. Because in America, it's, all right, if we're going to do this, we're going to go full bore like so right now. One thing I noticed that was like really interesting and in, in like, it's with girls, not with men, but like with, or with women, but like young girls, like 18 to 21. Yeah. So like in America... It's not okay for you to get so drunk that you can't stand up if you're a girl. Yeah. And in England, but in England, that's okay. Your girlfriends will take care of you. Okay. But in England, uh, it's not okay for you, like, you to hook up with like a random guy that none of the girlfriends know. Oh, that's not okay. Yeah. So it's like an interesting shift in that terms That is of, an interesting dynamic. Like, cause, like, it, like it, it was like something I noticed at some point was like, oh, okay. Like that's because like girls in England will get like, I can't stand up drunk. Yeah. Um. And in America, I I didn't see that so much. Yeah, you oh, see it every I, once in a while, but it's yeah. not. But it's also like it's often like not acceptable within the girl. Oh, they'll group. make sure the next day that friends because yeah, we've had Savannah on this podcast before. My girlfriend and she talks about her like crew. Yeah. And how they used to go out and party and stuff, and she's she's mentioned it before where it's like 
everyone watches kind of out for each other. They don't get so drunk that they're making an ass out of themselves. Yeah. You see, like in England, it's the opposite. It's like, go for it, babe. Yeah. And like, then we got your back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's like interesting what's culturally acceptable and what isn't. Yeah. Because like in America, both is like for men, it's like, and, and, and in England, both is like completely acceptable. So we, we went like when I was 17, I was still in high school, but I went to England, Portugal. Uh, so I, I went to the Euro in Portugal. Okay. And that was like an eye-opening thing because I'd never seen... I don't mean to interrupt you, but correct me if I'm wrong. How far away is everything in Europe? Everything's within three hours. Okay. So it's like a trip to Florida. Yeah, because I saw I saw that movie Euro Trip, which is my extent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's oh, like, okay. Have you never been? No, 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 oh, no. Oh, shit. Yeah, and I'm, I'm second generation uh, Eastern European, so... Oh, okay. Yeah, like, so my grandmother, oh, who was born over in the former Yugoslavia, she's always like, you have to go, yeah. you have to go. And I'm always yeah. like, eh, ah, maybe one day. No, you would enjoy it. Even if you're not drinking, it's th- like to see. Which is the culture is. Yeah. I studied history in college. Yeah, so yeah. That kind of stuff. It is. But like the the European, but also the football thing, and especially the Portuguese were like, it was a crazy game because it was a quarterfinal. Yeah. It was England, Portugal. So you take the train? Uh, no, I flew. Flew, okay. Uh, and... Then, like, the game went to penalties, and somehow they spaced out the England fans and the Portuguese fans, so everyone was just, like, together in the stadium. Yeah. Yeah. And so then we lost on penalties, and you're, like, heartbroken. And all these Portuguese people coming up, like, draping their flags over you, being like, Portugal, but they're so happy that after about, like, three drinks in... It was You're like, just kinda like, yeah, yeah it was like, you. all right, it's not my party, but I'm like, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> like they were like, and it was like, it was one of the most fun nights of my life. Like they were celebrating so hard. Yeah. And like, I was heartbroken, but I was also like, all right, cool. Like, I'm, I'm so you take, you take footy, you take soccer serious over there. Yeah. It's also now, are you more, cause I know we talked about this before cause shadow producer of the show. My co-host on my other podcast yeah. is a huge Fulham fan. Yeah. And I asked you who your team was and you said Fulham. Fulham yeah. And I was like, that's fucking bananas. Yeah, yeah. Because Tony Khan, who owns Fulham, was one of my regulars in Florida. My co-host is a huge Fulham fan. Yeah. My first New York City comic it's on the Fulham. podcast is a Fulham fan. It's that's just, awesome. it's, it's insane. It's, it might be, might be your club. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a Fulham fan now too. Yeah. But when it comes to the national team, is it everyone bleeds red and white? Yeah, or? yeah. I okay. mean, it's also very... It, uh, it's hard because you describe. care about soccer hooligans all the time, but yeah. I've never met someone who's that into soccer. Oh my gosh! Like so, it, my friend was back in England, and like someone who lived on his street, who has like a Chelsea tattoo on his head, <laughs> like came up to like knocked on his door and was like, like because England went quite far this year, this Euro, and it yeah. was in England. He was like, "Why don't you have a flag out?" He's like, "You got got to put a flag out." And like that's how serious yeah, they take. So like putting, he went to yeah. someone else's house and was like, "Put a flag out." Put the fucking flag <laughs> yeah, out. Like, yeah, like it's damn. also there's it's also like a mixture of things because it's very different. Like Americans are optimists. Yeah. So like if America is in a tournament, it's like USA, let's go, we can win it. Like we believe it. We expect to win. Yeah. Yeah. English people, it's like a weird kind of like it's a weird kind of optimism. Like every year, someone will come up and be like, "This could be our year. This could be it." And then when we lose, it's like, I always knew it was just never. Yeah, there's always <laughs> like, that seed of it's doubt. like slightly sad, like, but it like, it never happens for us. And it's always like, really it was 1966 close. was the last one, right? It was the last one. Yeah. And like, 
we've believed ever since that it could be our year. And like now, I do think it will happen in my lifetime because I think that they got the leadership Well, they've got right. some of that younger talent. Yeah, too. and these kids Why are they good. put those guys in on the penalty kicks, though? Is, it's... <sighs> that substitution was I just... I feel bad. I don't think they knew what they were doing yet in terms of the final. Yeah, and it's, you can look at it two different ways. It's like, oh, we'll get the fresh legs in there. And it's like, but yeah, but... having said that, like as a long-term goal... These kids will be twenty three yeah. in the, like the next big. Imagine thing. being nineteen. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna build some tough skin for the Euro finals. You're gonna build some tough skin having missed that shit. I would pee my pants, dude. I was like, yeah, like I was watching it. Like I don't think I would do it. I think like you know just like no, no, like, you, right. like I'd be like one of those guys sitting on like the center circle, just like holding my legs. Like no, no, I'm not going I, up. I'm just, not going yeah, up. I, I can't. I can't. I can't get up, dude. You know, like I was talking to a friend of mine recently. This is an interesting question. Would you bring back Robin Williams from the dead to do an hour set, but you had to follow him? Yeah. You would do it? I, 100%. I barely have to hesitate on that. But you wouldn't feel that thing of like, oh, God, I have to go. Oh, no, I'd want to <laughs> hang myself. Well, yeah. Sorry. Bad pun. Uh, but like, you know what I mean? Because like, I'd be like, oh, God, I have to follow. Him. I wouldn't be able to enjoy it. Yeah. But like, oh, now that I'm because <laughs> immediately I'm just like, I would do anything to watch Robin yeah. Williams for one more hour. Yeah. But would you do this? But then I'm like, oh, but then I wouldn't be able to even I wouldn't even be able to focus on. <laughs> no, you'd be so nervous because I'd be. Oh, my gosh. That, <laughs> now that I'm actually thinking about it, that's a, a great, great exercise. Question. It's yeah. a great question. Like, yeah. But I think I mean, the culture is different in England. And also the boozing is like when it comes to football. So, I don't think Americans understand this because, like, I only got this when I went to Portugal. There was a song there, like, a lot of this is rooted in World War Two. Yeah. So there's like a song there when I got there that they were singing, like, all these guys, you know, big guys, big tattoos, blah blah. They're like, uh, there'll be. It was like two green bottles, and it was like there were five German bombers in the air. Then the RAF from England shot one down. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It's like real intense shit, and they're like. You know, like, so there's that aspect of patriotism. Yeah. And so it's all rooted in, in you know, yeah, for yeah. love of country. Yeah. Yeah. And like, so it's different with the national team because there's a kind of like, it's related to childhood as well. Like, I remember watching, you know, David Beckham get sent off and then the whole country turning on him. Like, our biggest newspaper, The Sun, printed like a dartboard with his face. Oh, really? Like, yeah, like when he blamed he played for Man U forever, right? Yeah, but then when he was in England, he was 21, he fouled someone and he got a red card. Okay. And then we lost that game on penalties and we went out. Oh, and he okay. became, he was 21 and he became like the villain. The villain. And like people would because like. Because of a stupid penalty. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like not even, he just like kicked out at someone when he got fouled and they, he got a red card. So and he because, gets ejected. Yeah. So he's ejected and then we lost. And so everyone, blamed, everyone him. blamed him. Yeah. And then he came back. This is very English. He came back and he won, like he scored the penalty against Argentina to beat them in the World Cup. Yeah. And everyone was like. He's the best, like, yeah. blah, blah. and like, that's the the English culture is like we're allowed to fucking hate you and create the villain, and we also like love you if you like. That is make something it back. that I've I've spoken about on the other show that is so frustrating to me is the uh, is that aspect of fandom. Yeah, where someone will screw something up and it's like, get this guy out of here! Like, he's the fuck worst him. thing ever. Yeah, and then the very next season, he throws a you know, in my case for football, he throws a touchdown pass to open the season. Everyone's like, he's awesome, he's yeah. bad, and it's like, yeah, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, yeah, it's like, 
it's insane. But I remember like I would go and see like Fulham versus Man United and we would like boo him like anytime oh, you get yeah. on the ball, like he was like the villain. Yeah. And then there were other like And then he's playing for the national team, you're like, I love yeah, this. He's guy. the fucking best, yeah. <laughs> I always knew like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's like it's very kind of you can see how that's like almost drunk emotions. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then everyone's drunk on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. That was a world that like I was kind of introduced to that I could feel like my parents didn't, you know, they didn't know. They weren't ready for. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I mean, your mom, you said is from Madrid. Does she have any, is she into, um, so she'll drink. She's like, she likes, a, you know, like a glass of wine. Oh, okay. But that she's kind not, of thing. but she's yeah. not like a drinker. My dad's not a drinker. My grandfather was a drinker. He was a Rocky and he would drink like a, a glass of whiskey every day. Okay. He would, that was like his big, uh, that was his big thing. And like, I always kind of admired that cult, like the drinking culture. Yeah. And I still drink, but I think it's different in your thirties. It's a lot different. Yeah. I even noticed cause I got sober at the literally like a few days after my 30th birthday. So I didn't really drink. And I not, not really, I have not drank at all in my thirties, but the thing I noticed in my late twenties was so there's a line I quote all the time from that movie Burnt with Bradley Cooper and it's a dumb oh, yeah, line but yeah. I I really it really resonated with me because doomed youth is very romantic yeah like when you're in your early 20s and yeah. you're getting in trouble and it's kind of like I'm yeah. getting arrested but I'm a fucking rebel like this is the shit we do yeah. I'm a comic I'm grimy like this yeah. is it but doomed middle age is just sad yeah and it's not uh like I remember have you read Bukowski no I everyone I, we've like, had a few people tell me but I, like I, I remember to. reading Bukowski at like 20. And being like, this guy's a badass. And he's yeah. like, bottling, you know, finish the bottle of gin every night or a bottle of whiskey every night, blah, blah, blah. And I remember thinking about it like last year. I was like, this guy's Sounds a fuck horrible. up. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't know if I could do that. I'm reading uh, Running the Light by Sam Talent. I don't know that. And so it's uh, he's a comic from Denver, but it's a it's a great book. It's a fictional story, but it's every it's yeah. about a comic. It's a road dog comic. Okay. So it's every like we can imagine the scenario like, you know, you, you get a couple of breaks, you become like almost become famous. Yeah. And then your addictions get the better of you and you yeah. kind of spiral out of control. And now you're just doing like the Ramada in on a Tuesday. So as comics, we can we can relate to yeah. the story. And I'm reading that. But the same kind of thing where it's like if I would have read this book 10 years ago, um, I would have like, been this like, is this amazing. is awesome. Yeah, you're I doing want coke every life. night. Like yeah, I want hammered. this life. Yeah, yeah. And now that I'm sober and, I, I, and I'm older and I read this book and I'm just like, this sounds because mi- I was that yeah. person. Yeah, I got rushed to the hospital two days after my thirtieth birthday for alcohol poisoning, and I was Damn. told you should be dead. Like, there's no way Damn. you should be alive. And that's one of those things where it's like, I had been to the hospital before for alcohol poisoning in my twenties, and it's like, yeah, man, fucking yeah, nothing yeah, can yeah, kill yeah, me. Yeah. But in your thirties, I'm like, just no, like, no, no, it can't. Yeah, it like, can't. the fuck yeah. am I doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this isn't fun anymore. No, and I think that there's like. I still enjoy it, but on a very loose level. Yeah. Well, that's the thing I always like to, uh, I always make sure to let all my guests know is that what happened to me is not a common occurrence. So like, I I always hate when people come on and look, are you sure we could talk? And it's like, yeah, do it. Cause it doesn't bother me. My drinking got so out of control that I literally was told I should be dead. Like I was dying, physically dying. Yeah. And in the emergency room. So whenever, whenever people are like, and I make this joke all the time. Whenever people are like, man, I need to go to a meeting. I, I got drunk and texted my ex last night. I go, that's not, yeah, that's not you're not even at. close. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I remember a friend of mine saying that to me once about like sex addiction. And he was like, I went to a meeting 
he was like worried about it. He was yeah. like, I went to a meeting. He was like, I'm fine. I'm yeah. okay. I'm not, yeah. <laughs> I, I tell like, people that all the time. If, if you like, I openly open arms. If anybody yeah. out there wants to go, I will fucking drive. Take, yeah, I'll yeah. go with you. We'll take the train together. But like, I always try to let people know it's not. Yeah, no, it's a it's a disease, the and reason, it's like the reason why is because if you think to yourself, maybe I need a meeting, then you don't need a meeting. That's interesting. <laughs> it's yeah. the people who yeah. refuse to think they need one are yeah. the people that need it. Yeah, that's that's fascinating to me because it's also not the th- the truth is it's it like alcohol can make a good time great, but it cannot make a bad time good. No, yeah, I realized 100%. that about like 22. It didn't mean I stopped. But yeah, I just knew that's that a great that way like, to look at it. Yeah, thinking like, back on all the, the stuff I did drinking, it's like if we were having a good time, it was a fucking blast. Yeah, but if it was bad, it just got way worse. Yeah, it didn't like it didn't shift. Yeah, it didn't make that shift. Hey, and you it, know what's gonna liven this up? Let's yeah, all do yeah. shots. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like miserable. no, I'm just sad. I'm still yeah. sad. <laughs> I'm still sad. I'm just sadder. <laughs> and tomorrow is gonna be like tomorrow at 4 p.m. It's gonna be super sad. <laughs> <laughs> so i wanted to bring up this is one of the stories you had on the list i uh we were talking about you at college and then i wanted to bring up you put graduation was that from college or was that from high school wait where was that that was uh from college okay i yeah that was like a weird night I i mean i'm sure you had this in america it happens more but you know sometimes you you piece off into another person's group yeah. And you end up... No, I don't... I mean, I understand what you're talking about, that but... that never happened with you? You're I mean, out with, has... like, some buddies. Well, maybe it's being British. People take... Like, I've also had a look. Like, I'm short. I'm, like... I have, like, kind face. Yeah. Like, people kind of... They take to me. Yeah, see, so that... Maybe you're bigger, like... Yeah, more and, a lot of, well, and a lot of times, too, is I'm... I'm the kind of person where if someone introduces us to yeah. each other or like if we're do, like the other day i went and played basketball with some uh new york comics yeah and because we're all in the room together like it's all very standoffish but then once yeah. we start playing yeah same yeah. thing at the shows it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm standoffish but once we start like watching Shatter, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we kind of click so whenever i would go out a lot of times with friends unless they introduced me to other people i kind of just stayed in my own oh you world. see like when i was in my 20s i'd talk to like okay so girls. you're that guy all right and so but also like so then i met these girls so this and is graduation were, yeah, in it was like, Atlanta. Yeah, it was like maybe 2010. And these girls were like, we went to a bar that was like an older person. It was like 26 yeah. thing, kind of thing. And we met these girls who were graduating from law school. Ooh. And so I pieced off with a few of them, like with their group. Yeah. And I just ended up like my friends left the bar and I just ended up staying with them. And then I remember getting back to the, the house and they were like, and I sent the last message I sent to my friend before like my phone died was like a picture of me and i was like just about to take a xanax peace <laughs> and, and then i and like nothing happened like i literally like i slept in a bed with this girl and nothing happened we both fell asleep yeah like and i woke up the next day and like like charged my phone i had like 20 missed calls from my friends being like are you okay what the hell is going you on? Die? <laughs> yeah <laughs> but like that was like the for me that was always the most fun was like meeting people and the like the shift to like strangers to best friends. Yeah. Like that's the one thing I do love probably more than anything. And I say it in the intro, but that's one of my favorite things is that's why I love having this show. Yeah. Is because I can meet people and it's one-on-one, which makes it a bit more, it's more intimate. Yeah. And the other cool thing too, is that I can, there's no one that can come on this show short of murdering another human being that you're not like, where I'm not like, yeah, I I totally get like, I totally understand it. I've peed my pants, shit the oh, bed. Man. Like I've done 
driven drunk, two Wait, DUIs, been to jail. Like, there's nothing so anyone could say in that chair that's going to be amazing. like, what? It's amazing that you quit. Because, like, to go through that many red lights, like, emotionally, yeah. and be like, nah, fuck, I'm going to keep drinking. That must have been, like, a huge moment to be like, actually, fuck no. Yeah, it was, like, because, so I originally went to. to stick with that. Yeah, like, I originally went to rehab in 2013. Um, okay. I didn't get, I have, I, the longest amount of sobriety I have is now, which is almost three and a half years. And that was in Amazing. 2018 when I got sober. Wow. But in 2013, long so story short. 25? Like around? Yeah, right around there. Long cool. story short, when I was, um, in college, when I stopped playing college football is when I kind of spiraled out of control. Okay. Um, cause I was regimented. So I would just yeah. drink on the, like every other yeah. weekend or something. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And when I would drink, I would drink a lot, but I would only do it every once in a while cause I was yeah. playing. And then once football was over with. Again, I was like, well, I know how to get rid of this anxiety and I lost the structure. But then in 2013, what happened was I was living in Oklahoma City with my cousin, Tom, and he was doing comedy. And he was like, listen, man, you know, you're you're good at comedy, but like you just keep getting way too drunk and then getting on stage and you're embarrassing me. Like you're making us look bad. Like we want you to go up, but everyone knows you're my cousin. I'm trying to get you on these shows. And then you go up hammered and do an Arnold impression for 10 minutes and run the light. Like we can't. Fuck. And yeah, so yeah. he was like, listen, if you can stay sober for 30 days, then I'll start getting you on showcases. And at oh. this point, I had been doing comedy for a few years. Like yeah. I started in 09 and I was doing like when everyone first yeah. starts, like you do it like once every couple of months. Yeah, and same, same. So um, I was like, OK, bet I'll do that. I was sober for 28 days. And on oh. the 28th day, I started drinking and I'll never forget. He walked into the back room and said what like what happened and i remember i looked at him i just started crying and i said i don't know and that's when i was like Bruh. okay i have a problem like yeah this yeah, is becoming this is an issue like something i could control and i was like 25 Damn. because i thought comedy meant more to me than anything and yeah. he told me if i could just not drink for 30 days he'll start booking me on showcases but i could so not close. drink yeah you were so close exactly so yeah. that's one of those things where it's like obviously this has gotten out of control yeah so i called my mom i was sobbing on the phone and she got me into rehab uh well she oh, told wow. me to call the number on the back of my insurance card so i did she booked a flight for me the next day wow. to jacksonville and that's how i ended up in jacksonville and i went to rehab but the funny thing about what you were saying is you think okay that's that's a bottom that's sufficient yeah. that's it yeah I didn't even get a year sober and I started drinking again because I thought yeah. I overreacted. I'm 25. Yeah. And like everybody's drinking. Yeah. And it's, it's also like it's not a problem for them. Why is it a problem for exactly. me? And so then I Very started difficult. drinking again and then lost a fiance, got arrested a few more times, did some significant yeah. jail time. Um, was that so like was that? So the jail time I did sober, I was living in a halfway house. Yeah. This is when I first went to rehab because it was for a DUI I had gotten years oh, prior. Wow. Okay. So it finally caught up with me. We got yeah. pulled over one day. That's where the. This is the land of the free and the home of the brave. I don't have to show yeah, you shit. Yeah, I, yeah. I said that to a cop. That's where the bit came from. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I got arrested because I had a warrant from a DUI. Oh, I, I basically wow. skipped town on. Yeah. So I got a DUI. They released me and I just left. Damn. <laughs> yeah. And I was still like driving and stuff. And so yeah. so I did the jail time sober. But then when I had gotten out, I lived in a halfway house for a while and then moved out and then started drinking again. Lost yeah. my fiance at the time. So lost tough. jobs. Yeah. But. Fast forward to your point, the, when on my 30th birthday when I ended up in the hospital, that's when I finally – it clicked and I was like, this, is this isn't fun. fun. Like this yeah. isn't romantic anymore. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I could get – I've got so much material to get on stage about, about how tragic my life was. This is going to only end one way if I keep going. 
Fuck. And that's like Greg. Yeah, that's yeah. like Robin. That's like all of that. Yeah, like yeah, this yeah. is how that's going to end. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not going to be nearly as famous as any no. of those guys. And you're not going to enjoy it, or you yeah. Know. And so that's when I was kind of like, all right, I gotta stop. Yeah. And, and I actually took it seriously to the point. We'll bring this full circle to what you yeah. were talking about before with the clown school. Yeah. I actually committed and took it seriously. Yeah. And, and then you it, noticed that it's like shifted your your outlook and everything. Your, yeah. So when I because it's probably not just the drinking, like to sorry to interrupt but no, like to, to not to quit drinking but like also to be like all right comedy like, i'm gonna take this seriously i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna pursue it like like a job yeah and that job involves not drinking yeah so the 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 good thing and i tell people this all the time being an addict in the sense that i'm an addict yeah it's like having a superpower interesting now, the thing that separates superheroes from supervillains is what they decide to use it for. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So when I was drinking, I was very much a villain. Yeah. But I could out-drink anybody. Damn. And I could drink sick. I could drink feeling good. I could That's drink nice. if I had no money. I could find a way to drink. Yeah. I could drink if I didn't have a job. I didn't have a yeah. place to live because I've been homeless before. Like I always found a way to drink. Now, wow. when I finally... Yeah, that's fascinating. I never thought about it's, that. It's, like, it's literally like having yeah, a superpower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was nothing that could stop me from drinking. Now, when I got sober, the addictiveness is still there. Like, that doesn't turn yeah. off. Like, I'm yeah. still an addict. And now I use it for, better, for things that are better in my life. I go to yeah. the gym six days a week. Damn. Rain or shine. Do, doesn't yeah. matter if I'm sore, yeah, I'm sure. hurting. I go every day, six days a week. And it's hard for me not to go on Sunday, but I, I have to take one day yeah, for rest. Yeah, yeah. It's the same thing with comedy. Yeah. I moved to New York City um, among a pandemic yeah. because I, I wanted to continue to pursue comedy. And comedy for me is so important because when I originally got sober, I was working two jobs. I was going to the gym every day and I called my sponsor and genuinely said to him on the phone, I said, if this is what my life is now, I can't do it. Yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not going to do this. I'm either yeah. going to start drinking again, or I'm going to kill myself. Which is not an idle threat because no, I've no. been baker acted before well, in and the past. If you and start drinking again, you are. I am kill killing yourself. myself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's it's not something I meant to like say like to be dramatic or to no, scare no, him. No, it's just true. But it was just genuine. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I don't want to do this. No, I, I felt that way. No, I mean, not from drinking, but I felt that way sometimes. Where it's like, if I don't get on stage and try and make people laugh because you don't always succeed yeah but, but it doesn't matter it's the it's attempt the attempt of doing it yeah, and that's what happened and he said he said well you have to find something that you care about you yeah. have to find something to pursue yeah and he it was him he said what about comedy and i said yeah i love comedy but i had thought in my head i had wasted so much time drinking and doing drugs and getting each other that ship was gone i was like i'm i'm in my 30s now like i can't yeah. start over with comedy he said, well, just give it a shot. Just try it. But that's the thing with the comedy is you can always stop. Well, and once you start doing a couple yeah. of shows, and you probably experienced this too, well, you were like, oh, I've I done had, this I before. had a very interesting thing, which is I stopped after Goliath, I did my show, and then I stopped for three years. I didn't get on stage. Yeah. And this girl that I'm friends with from Goliath, I was in Paris. She was like, let's do a show together. And I was so nervous. And I was like, all right. And we had nothing. We had nothing planned. And we bombed harder than I've <laughs> ever bombed ever. Like she, you know how like an improv, they tell you like, don't do this, don't do that. Like yeah. don't, she broke all the rules. She was a terrible. Saying no instead of yes. Yeah, yeah. Like terrible. <laughs> like it was like we bombed <laughs> like to the point where like I just left and there was like a, a girl I was friends with in the audience. I didn't even like speak. I just, just left. Just beelined it out of left. Them. But like I realized after that, I was like, that was okay. 
Like I felt fine yeah. after the bomb and I felt much worse not going. That I'd been feeling so bad for like three years of not doing it. It's because you weren't doing it in the first yeah. place. Yeah. yeah, and like that fear was not that big. Like, because like, you know, if I go do a gig and I bomb, okay, but I'll learn something and I'll go to the next Absolutely. one. Absolutely. But like, if I don't go, I'm going to feel like shit. And that's like... Yeah, and that's something that I had to come to terms with was when he mentioned that to me, I went out and I did an open mic in Jacksonville, Rain Dogs. That's like my home away from home. I went out and did it. And then I did a couple other ones like like there's a few rooms. And the only reason I'm saying the the full names is because the people, some of the people listening are like, hey, I know that place. Um, But then there were a few people who kind of brought me back in. So Chris Buck, who's a comic from Florida. Well, people who, recognize games. Yeah, right? well, you and know. he knew me from before, so yeah. he was like, "All right, you're back, whatever." Like, and then yeah. once he saw I was taking it seriously, then he started to treat me with a, di- a different kind of yeah. like almost respect, where it's he different. was like, "Oh, he's I, not being the drunken asshole anymore. He's actually taking this seriously." Yeah. yeah. And then uh, Christina Shriver and I give her all the credit in the world. She's uh, listens to the show. She's a very good friend. But when I f- literally first came back in, she let me get up at a mic, and then she invited me to book me on a show and i had oh, just amazing. come back and yeah. she invited me on a show such a boost and i was and like you, all right you like, let's yeah. yeah let's go yeah and yeah. so comedy and i tell people this all the time i take it so seriously because one i'm an addict and this is what i've clinged clung yeah. to yeah. but also it's say it saved my life on so many different occasions yeah whether i was depressed when i was younger that's where i got all these scars and i'd hurt yeah. myself oh, fuck, i would watch stand-up and for that yeah. hour you feel you feel good something you're yeah, laughing you feel connected yeah. yeah and then later on in my life when i would perform and i could make other people laugh at horrendous yeah. horrific shit and i was like okay this it's not it's not that bad like everything's yeah, yeah, gonna exactly. be okay yeah exactly you get that laugh and you're like Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like you, we can you kinda, we You're can, relieved. Yeah, we can do something here. Like, exactly, and so yeah. that's why, and that's why I take it so seriously because I've heard people all the way from open micers up to like some of the biggest comics in the world be like, "Oh, what are we doing? We're just like we're just clowns trying to make people laugh." And it's like to me, it means more, so much, much more. more than that because it literally I am the example of it saved me. Yeah, and I also think that it's like if you get that, like if somebody gives you that laugh where you're like, it it. it it just you you get like I had like the other week I was I was in London for a long time during the pandemic yeah and uh, I I was like I'm in therapy and I was like trying to trying to like get out of therapy I went for lunch with a friend and I was like I was losing I've been in like quarantine for and I started crying and I said nothing nothing that says that you need to go to therapy like like crying <laughs> in public at lunch <laughs> and I was like and it was like such a release. I'm yeah. like, oh fuck! Like, I okay, I did like, I'm, like <laughs> crying, but I'm also like laughing. Like, yeah. all right, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. Like, that is what is like really, and that's like probably why you start drinking is like, because that feeling happens sometimes when you're drinking. Yeah, and like, but it's better when it happens sober. It's so much better. Yeah, when I, I've had I've had shows. Probably the best example is when I did my going away show in Jacksonville. Oh, wow. I had all these people show up. There was like 60 or 70 people at this room. Amazing. And I and I recorded it. So it's the tape I use now when people ask for a tape because I'm Amazing. like, well, I yeah. padded the room. So why would I not use yeah, this yeah, tape? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was just it was one of those things where it was just on stage, completely sober, being able to take in the whole moment. And like, yeah, all these people are here to see me. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And they're all laughing. Like the stuff I say doesn't resonate all the time because it is dark. Yeah, so yeah. Sometimes it doesn't work. No, and I, that's totally understand. I totally get it. Yeah, yeah. But everyone's laughing, and I'm like, this is exactly yes, what I it's never, for. I, like it's the feeling of like I don't want to be anywhere else in the world. Nowhere else. Than, I'd yeah, rather be yeah. in the world. Oh, then on, to, even if it's. You know, there's people like, you know, Tom Segura, who's one of my favorites, and Bill Burr. They're playing, you know, thousand-seat theaters. Yeah. But it's like, for me, 60 people in the back of a room in it doesn't, a yeah, bar it doesn't matter in where. Jacksonville. Even for me, like these open mics, you get eight people. I'm like, all right, let's see. Let's Nowhere see else I'd happens. rather be in the yeah, world. Let's yeah, let's see what happens. Let's try like, it. It can be terrible, but it's like. But it can also be great. Yeah, but it's like we're going to experience something. And like, that is so exciting. Yeah. And also, like now, I feel like we're at the same kind of point where we're like, we're, I'm gonna take it seriously now. Yeah, like, I'm not. I don't take it for granted. Like that, and that's the thing. Uh, like I, um, none of that. Like, oh, the audience wasn't blah blah. No, yeah, like, no, it's always. I'm gonna give I it a hundred percent, and I, if I don't leave the stage feeling like I did, then like I never actually since I restarted, I've never felt like I left the stage and didn't do my best. Yeah, like I've sometimes done badly, but I've never felt like. All right, you, you did everything you could. I love that, that you moment. say that because there's a couple times where I've I've gotten a little too big for my britches. Oh yeah, where I get on and I'm like, man, I've been doing this since '09. Like, yeah, I took a few years off, but like, I know comedy and like I know <laughs> my material. Know. And then I get up there and I'm like, I panic, I blank yeah. out, I start talking way too fast. My set goes horribly, and I go, "This is all of your own fucking fault." Yeah, like you, you thought, thought you, you could just get up there and wing it. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, Philippe used to have a phrase. If you th- if you know, you'll die the next day, because like you can never know. Yeah, you can and never you never know. know. And he's like, you don't know why you're funny or what it works, but he's like, and that's what it is. Yeah. If you know, it's over. It's over. You're already dead. <laughs> well, plug everything. This was so much fun. I'm so glad Thanks, you came man. on. Thank you for having me. Of course, plug everything uh, that you want Instagram, people to know about. Food on my raft. <laughs> uh yeah, because like I started an Instagram because like everyone had it, and everyone was like showing off. So I was like, I'll just put food on my head. And like, just do it like my own way. Yeah. And like my, and then I'd have like certain people who would like, what the fuck is this? And certain people who were like, that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> so that's uh, food on my raft. And that's basically it. Just shows in New York. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. Awesome. Man. Well, thank you for coming out. Thanks, buddy. Again, everyone, uh, check out the website, brennantcomedy.com. Uh, show at Broadway Comedy Club, October 7th with the awesome Jill Kimmel. Come out yeah. to that. Uh, Brennan T. Comedy on all social media and we will talk to y'all next week. Ooh.